0: Broadcasting live from the Finley Cadillac Performance Studio. This is Unnecessary Roughness.
1: I learned a long time ago, I learned a long time ago, players win games. Carr claps his hands, now gets the ball, back to pass again, fires towards the end zone, Adams, reaches, grabs! What a throw and catch! The Fresno connection works for the Raiders! When you have
0: great coaches, then after you have great coaches you get great players. You have a great organization, and you tell them one thing: just win, baby. Unnecessary roughness on Raider Nation Radio, nine twenty a.m. Here's your boy Q.
1: Every Tuesday and Thursday at this time, we're blessed to have Lincoln Kennedy as our guest here on Unnecessary Roughness, Raider Nation Radio, nine twenty. Of course former Raider offensive lineman, pro bowler, also part of the Raiders radio broadcast. And he joins us now on the phone lines. And Lincoln, thank you so much for your time. As always, the Raiders, they just tweeted out, it's Chiefs week. That's all they said. It's Chiefs week. When you read that, when you hear that, when you know that, what does that mean to you? There was no
2: other team in our division that I got more amped to play against than it was the Kansas City Chiefs. And look, I've, hey, Q and Demond, it's good to be with you guys. I I have history, you know, with with, with this organization, and and I tell you that I I oh my goodness, I, I get goosebumps now talking about it because I just want to beat
1: Chiefs up. <laughs> what did it mean to you when you were in the locker room? What was those conversations with your teammates like when you knew the Chiefs were next up?
2: You didn't have to have a conversation; you just nice. knew what had to be done, and and it was one of those it was one of those rivalries that. You, know, you, you definitely you know, looked uh, eagerly at the game plan. You concentrated fiercely uh, at, in, the, in the mode of preparation. Uh, but it was one of those things that you just, whether it was at home or away, I, I just wanted to beat the Chiefs. There was, no, there was no other bigger desire than beating the Chiefs up and beating them often.
1: We always hear the stories of what it's like when opponents go to, you know, the Oakland Coliseum or the L.A. Coliseum. And obviously the Raiders are trying to build that at Allegiant Stadium now. But what was it like to go into Arrowhead Stadium? Well,
2: I'll put it this way. Since I retired in 2004, uh, every single season – that I've been affiliated with the Raiders, whether it was commentating or whatever have you. Um, and every general manager, I went to them and I said, look, just let me suit up once. Please, just let me suit up for this game. Give me my number back, give me my jersey back, and let me suit up for this game because I just want to beat the Chiefs down as much as possible. It was always a fierce rivalry. It really was. It, it, and, and every single moment that I played them, uh, every time they, they, you know, that I was uh, either outside the uniform or in the uniform, I wanted to beat the
1: Chiefs. Jermaine Luminoir, you have to give up that seven deuce, man. <laughs> oh, then, trust me, if, if, if I was in the locker room, he wouldn't even be close to my number. I <laughs> know <laughs> that's right. Talking right now with Lincoln Kennedy from the Raiders Radio Broadcast Network, of course, former Raider offensive lineman, but man, devon has got one for you.
0: Yeah, we had Mark McMillan on earlier this week, and he mentioned yeah. about how Marty Schneidheimer, when it was when it was Raiders Week for the Chiefs, that man, they gave him a little leeway. Hey, guys, if you guys get a little fifteen yarder for unnecessary roughness, it's okay because it's the Raiders. Was that same message passed along to you guys? Like, hey, if you've got to be a little more aggressive today, it's okay because it's the Chiefs. Let,
2: let me take you inside the locker room, DeMont. When we went to the Super Bowl in 2003, whatever year it was, we went to Super Bowl. We were we, we was in San Diego. Marty Schottenheimer was the coach of the Chargers. Mm. He didn't let us in the Chargers facility because we were supposed to practice there for over a two-hour delay. We couldn't get in the facility. He locked us out, locked the buses out. We were supposed to practice at the Chargers facility. He wouldn't let us in. So that, that shows you wow. how, how deep this rivalry was, especially when it came to coaches, uh, not only, but you know whether they were the, the, the Chiefs or the Chargers or whatever, it, coaches who had it, a personal vendetta out against the Raiders, they coached this week up like they never did. So that's why it made the rivalry much more deeper than it set than on paper.
0: All right, take me back in the locker room a little bit more. Who, other than yourself, was another player, a member of the Raiders, that also had that heightened sense of this game means more than the other ones on the schedule?
2: Well, you know, what's funny about it is that everyone hated the Raiders. So whether it was the Chargers, Broncos, or the Chiefs, everyone had Raiders week. We weren't, you know, there was, there was, it was individuals that were as intense, intense in the rivalry like I was when it came to the Chiefs. I, I hated the Chiefs more than any other rivalry. But I know that, you know, Tim Brown hated the, the Chargers more than any other rivalry. And, and, and there were guys who hated the Broncos more than any other rivalry. So it was up to an individual basis. But everyone collectively hated the Raiders.
1: Why do you think Marty Schottenheimer hated the Raiders so much?
2: I think it was personal maybe because of the the, the long lasting relationship uh, or you know, the, the sort of uh, hatred towards the Raiders when he was a chief because he was a chief uh, uh, coach for a long time then went to the Chargers it kind of carried over but I mean collectively it was it was up to the coaches right. you know I you know when you talk about Shanahan uh, with the Broncos for a long time because of his personal history with the Raiders he had a hatred toward the Raiders so mm-hmm. there was it, it was more of the coaches that perpetuated the rivalry than the players I just could not Stand the Chiefs because one of my greatest nemesis was Neil Smith, and uh, he played he played opposite of me in the Chiefs, and he was the biggest trash talker out there. So you know it was one of the things that I took it personal. I wanted to shut his ass down every <laughs> single time. So uh, that, that was a personal rivalry for me.
1: Lincoln Kennedy is our guest here on Raider Nation Radio 920, Unnecessary Roughness. Did it ever blow your mind how much, either as a player or as an analyst, how much crossover there was? How many Raiders formerly were Chiefs and how many Chiefs were formerly Raiders? You know what I mean? Back and forth. It seemed like there was always players changing teams in the division, even with the Broncos and the Chargers.
2: You know, it never, it never really crossed over or it never really became obvious to me. What, what has become obvious to me over the years, especially being an analyst, the rivalries are never held as personal as they once were. Mm-hmm. And, and that's something that stands out. You know, for example, we saw Derek Carr and Russell Wilson exchange jerseys after the last game. Right, That never happened. <laughs> you know, we weren't yeah. sitting there. You know, if if I was going across the field to you know say hello to other players, or whatever, it was just that hey, you know, good game. You know, we'll we'll you know, let it lie like it lies. But we were never sitting there taking pictures, collectively smiling, exchanging jerseys. That was never the case. Right. Today's rivalries aren't held as 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 different as they were back in my day.
1: They're they're they're, they're just not the same. Is that because of free agency? Yes. That's I, I, I had an argument About with somebody no I had somebody I had an argument with somebody one time and I said rivalries aren't the same there are in college there's still rivalries there but in the NFL it's just not because free agency and everyone's best buddies now like you mentioned
2: yeah and, and for college for college standards keep in mind that as the transfer portal ex- mm-hmm. you know keeps going it's going to be the same thing for college rivalries as well.
0: Lincoln, a player who kind of does want to keep that flame alive in this rivalry is Patrick Mahomes. There was video after the breakdown, the Chiefs, they beat the Buccaneers at the Super Bowl rematch, and he ends ends his speech with, hey, you know who's coming to town this week, so let's get ready. So for Patrick Mahomes, I do think that the Raiders rivalry has a little special meaning to him. But from what you've seen from him, what makes it so special when you watch the tape on Patrick Mahomes?
2: He's just an unbelievable talent, really is. I mean, the fact that he's a quarterback who's – First of all, he's, he has an arrogance about him that he can make every throw. And so when he, whether he's scrambling or he's sitting in the pocket, he still thinks that he can make every throw. So that, that's an arrogance that you know, sometimes worked against him, but for the most part has worked for him. But just an, an incredible athlete. I mean, I remember the first time I saw him as a starter when I was you know, commentating a game in Oakland. And he was running, and he made a throw back across his body, sidearm, that he hit a receiver right in the dead part of his chest and i was like are you kidding me he made that throw i was so surprised and, and from that point on there's nothing that he's been able to, that he's done that has really surprised me because it's just been he's just an incredible athlete and when you have a guy like that a capable man like that at quarterback oh the sky's the limit it, it really is and that's why they've had so much success
0: They say that the key to Patrick Mahomes is one of the things that to not do is do not blitz Patrick Mahomes because he'll still light you up that way. But when it comes for the offensive linemen that have to block for Patrick Mahomes, when he does all of his improvisations and he's running around, does that make it harder for the offensive linemen? Let's say if you were blocking for him, the style of running that he does, would that make it harder for you to do your job? It
2: doesn't necessarily make it harder. You just know that you have to maintain blocks that much longer, if that makes sense.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, it does. That 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 absolutely makes sense, yeah. and you just gotta. Sounds like you just gotta be disciplined, right? You just absolutely. gotta be a little bit more disciplined. Say, here,
2: here's the thing: if you if every offensive lineman does their job in the sense where they're blocking, their responsibility that you allow Patrick Mahomes or the other parts of the offense to, to just materialize in their own way. Andy Reid has uh has a concept or, or a thought for everything that's possible. Every you know every part of a that a defense can do, it, he has it. He has a thought that it. Possibly it's just a matter of execution, and that's what Patrick Mahomes has excelled in as a quarterback. He's executed very well. Andy Reid's offense and his philosophy, and more importantly, utilize the weapons at his disposal. I mean, when you think about the weapons they had at receiver, minus Tyreek Hill, you still have one of the best tight ends in the game, with Travis Kelsey. You still have you know receivers like Juju Smith-Schuster uh, Juju uh, and others that can get open and find a way to get open. And for a defense it's really hard to lock those guys out because, let's face it, when you go to improvisation, you know, it's a matter of just being open at the right time and being able to get the ball to them. Uh, Defensively, you can't control, you can't cover everything for all the time.
1: Talking right now with Lincoln Kennedy here on Radio Nation Radio nine twenty unnecessary roughness. I wanted to ask you because I remember in the summer uh, asking you about the Chiefs' offense. We knew yeah. Tyreek Hill was no longer there, and I said, "How much do you think that's going to affect them?" And you said, "I don't think it's going to affect them much." What made the made you so confident that they would be just fine without Tyreek?
2: Because the route combinations that they run with the receivers they have, and the fact that they still have speed on that team. You know, when you have when you have a capable tight end like Kelsey, you've got tons of real estate. So in today's game, a slot receiver and a tight end there are huge dividends. And you look around the league and you talk about the successful offenses and you talk about their tight end and their slot receiver, it's it's more than obvious because there's tons of real estate. And the thing is is that you can't shut everybody down all the time. More importantly, the rules are against defenses of the National Football League you get a uh you know illegal uh, illegal hands at the 5 yard penalty that's automatic first down you know illegal contact uh, uh, all of my first down defensive holding automatic first down so the rules are against defenses and with the, the amount of real estate that's available especially in the middle of the field it makes it very hard for defenses to shut down all the windows so it doesn't matter if you have a speed burner like Tyreek Hill that's no longer there you can have other speed you know other fast guys in that concept especially those concepts with uh, with the capable tied in that uh, open up offerings uh, uh, big openings in the secondary
1: Looking at this game on Monday night, of course, we saw the Raiders establish the run really well on, on Sunday versus Denver. The Chiefs, they're stingy against the run. Uh, a little bit of that skewed because, well, Tampa Bay only ran the ball like six times on Sunday right. night. But um, how, how much do you think that the Raiders need to rely on Josh Jacobs in that running scheme?
2: I think you have to have a balanced offense. More importantly, you know, when it comes to a Q and in the efficiency has to become scoring touchdowns. This this Raiders offense has been capable between the twenty the twenties, twenty to twenty on the field, but it's when they get in the red zone they have their issues. You have gotta to score touchdowns against the Kansas City Chiefs.
1: Why is that so difficult for the Raiders to score in the red zone? Uh it's been a while. Execution. I mean it's been an issue for I mean, a while. It, now. It's
2: it's it's kinda of hard to put your finger on it. It's execution, it's also creativity. Um, for the years, in my mind, the Raiders have been incredibly predictable when it comes inside the red zone, um, and they've got, to, they've got to find a way to, to, to get past that. Um, not, not only do you have to look for the matchups that you can take advantage of, um, but you know, the thing is, is that defenses are taking those things away, so you have to go to other guys. so it's going to be a matter of somebody basically unknown to us or it's somebody who's necessarily unpredictable to us that's going to step up and, and make their impact in the red zone.
1: Talking right now with Lincoln Kennedy here on Radio Nation Radio, 920 Unnecessary Roughness. We saw Derek Carr pick up five first downs with his legs. Is that something that you think we might get a little bit of consistency from now?
2: Hard to predict, my friend. Yep. It really is because there's been times where there's been openings, and he hasn't taken them. So I don't know what's going through Derek's mind. I just know that's really not something that he's typical of. He's used to doing uh, running and getting uh, first downs or getting you know yards with his legs. Um We've notoriously known throughout his career as a pocket quarterback who's going to stand, you know, stand stand strong in the pocket. And that's you know, to me, I, I wish there was more of him utilizing his mobility, but it's just hard to predict that it's going to happen.
1: This game is Monday night, Lincoln. You know what that is. It's prime time. Everyone in the country's watching the final game of the, the year, or not year, but the week. Is right. is this the type of game that the Raiders went out and got Devontae Adams for? Is this the kind you know, for the, the, the bright the lights to shine brightest on this day on this stage?
2: If anything, I'm hoping that Coach McDaniel's coaching ability will will transpire to the players in executing. The fact is you're Monday night, you're in Kansas City, obviously you've got everything against you. the world is watching it's I, I I don't know after the first month of football if we know what type of team we have Q and DeMond. I mean we haven't seen consistency to this last this last game against the, the Broncos. I'm hoping that it transpires against the chiefs. I'm hoping the Raiders can go in there and beat the chiefs. It's just a very tall task to ask
1: yeah, it is you know someone asked me and I just said if they had been in, if they've been consistent throughout the year, I would say yes, because they yes. have the, the weapons. But right. yes. they just haven't been consistent, so I, I would be a fool to just say, yeah, no doubt, they're going to go in there and win. <laughs> so, you know, I just I can't I can't put my money on, on the line like that. True now, story. you know, Lincoln, we, we had a, a guest on our show earlier, Matt Lombardo, and he had a conversation with Devontae Adams. And we all knew about the player-only meeting that they had last week, but he talked about Devontae called a captain's-only meeting. Then he had a meeting with the coaches himself, and then he addressed the, the rest of the team, what does that tell you about Devontae Adams, who he is as a leader? It's been my
2: experience when most free agents come into a new team that, you know, it takes them a little while to catch on. I, I think that, obviously, Devontae's relationship with, with Derek Carr goes back a long way, obviously, to college. That helps sort of ease that little, that little transfer, transfer you know, transformation, if you will, um, into into where they are. But, look, I've always believed... Leaders weren't born they were made mm-hmm. and whether you're a new player to a team or what have you or you've been in it for a while, you've got to instill your leadership early and, and, and often and look for what it's worth I'm still guessing who the leaders of this locker room are mm-hmm. you know once when you know, I hate to refer back to back this but it's true once, when I played we policed ourselves. we had a natural hierarchy within the organization for example, Tim Brown was the leader of the receivers. You know, um, I I and Steve Wisniewski were the leaders of the offensive linemen, you know, the, the, when when we were together. So we had a natural hierarchy within from position for, for the team. I'm yet to see who this is for this Raiders team. I know Max Crosby has been a visible leader. I know Derek Carr has been a visible leader for a couple of years. But does that transpire to the entire team? The fact that Devontae Adams the wanted to take upon himself to make himself, instill himself as that leader, and wanted to do what, I, I, I commend it. I, I definitely my hat to it but we need more of that and and as I've told you guys time and time again the stars need to shine if you're viewed as a star you need to stand up and be accounted for and more importantly your play has got to exemplify what you're trying to transpire amongst the team so you got to go out there and play hard don't just go out there and go through the motions go out there and play hard uh, we've seen that at various spots of various people throughout the, throughout the season so far, but you know, collectively, it hasn't yet to transpire. So, I commend anybody who wants to stand up and be accountable for it. Just make sure they are plagues uh, the, it speaks the same uh, thing that John say in the locker room.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And I think that Devontae Adams, if he's going to have a big monster game Monday, would be a great time for it. <laughs> right? <laughs> Monday Too would joy. be a great time to see that. Final question for you, and this is just me, just being not nosy, but I'm just kind of personal. But this one, how has your mentality changed when it comes to football from when you were playing to when you're analyzing it and breaking it down now?
2: Uh I guess the be- the best way to put it is it you got to be a little bit more neutral from playing to gotcha. where it is now. Because, look, when I put on the helmet, if you were a different colored jersey, I wanted to, I wanted to beat your ass. There was no doubt about it. So, but different now is I have, to, I have to call it more as I see it. I, I have to take myself out of the game or out of the mentality of thinking towards the game and just have to call it neutral. You have to call what you see.
1: Right. No, I, I could appreciate that, and that's why I heard someone ask uh, Chris uh, Canty that earlier today on Canty and Carlin, and, you uh-huh. know, he kind of broke it down in a similar way, uh, so I was wondering, I was like, I wonder how Lincoln, you know, yeah. looks at the game now, because obviously you played it at the highest level, so, uh, yeah, that's that's good stuff right there. Well, Lincoln, it's always great to catch up with you, my man. It's going to be an interesting game on Monday. I'm excited for it. Can't wait to see it in prime time. I know you'll be on the call with Jason Horowitz. We appreciate you as always, brother. My pleasure, brothers. you be well. All right, there he goes, Lincoln Kennedy right there. Uh, Just love his his breakdown, man. Love what he had to say about Chiefs week. Love what he had to say about policing yourself, and that goes a long way. I mean, it really does. I think that that is a big, good takeaway right there from that conversation is that he said when they were in that locker room, they had guys that policed themselves. Tim Brown was the leader of the wide receivers. You know, him and Steve Wisniewski, uh, leaders of the offensive line. Why does that not surprise me at all with those guys, right, because that's who they were? You know, I look at this current Raiders team and I see Devontae Adams as being the leader of the wide receiver room, no doubt. I believe Josh Jacobs is probably the leader of the running back room. I mean, how many times, mind have we heard from Josh Jacobs like, hey, I went and told the guys I got you? How many times did we hear Josh Jacobs say, tell the offensive line, if you miss a block, don't worry, I'll make you right? That's, that's who Josh Jacobs is. I believe he's definitely that dude. Defensively, Max Crosby, no doubt. Denzel Perriman, I think he's the guy in the linebacker room. And this is just me spitballing. I don't know this for a fact, right? Like like Lincoln said, uh, we haven't seen these guys, you know, step up, and we haven't seen them do it uh, for our own eyes. But this is just what I'm thinking as I look at this current Raiders roster. You know, I mean, if, if it's the linebackers, I would think it's Denzel Perryman, Max Crosby, obviously, on the defensive line. Um, you know, I think Nate Hobbs is still rounding himself into, into a leader. I don't think he could be that guy just yet. Right? I mean, I think it's still a little young in his career. But I don't know. Again, I'm not in the locker room. But that, I think that's a very interesting question. You know, we know who the eight captains were on the squad. I believe it was eight. what A.J. Cole and Matt Collins for the special teams unit. Uh, Max Crosby and Denzel Perryman on defense. Offense, it was uh, Devontae Adams and Derek Carr. Was it Derek Carr? Was he a captain? And then, uh, I forget who else. I forget who else was a captain, but I know Darren Waller wasn't selected as a captain this year, and I can't remember who who it was. Dang. Well, we'll we'll, we'll do a little bit of research, and we'll get and we'll come back with that. We have Vinny Boston York coming up at 4:30. Hit us up six nine one eight seven keyword R and R 702-365-9200. Give us your thoughts. You got it, DeMond, or no? No, you don't have it. Still looking. Okay, no worries. We'll take a quick break. We'll come back. We'll give you the captains. We'll also go over some of these texts that we got, your reaction to what Lincoln had to say. This is Raider Nation Radio 920. Hey, Raider Nation. This is Bruce Buffer, and you're listening to Raider Nation Radio 920. Hey.
3: back to unnecessary roughness.
1: unnecessary roughness,
3: here on Raider Nation Radio 920. Here's your boy, Q.
1: 425 is the time. We'll be talking to Vinny Bonsignor from the morning tailgate and also the RJ in about five or six minutes here on Raider Nation Radio 920, Unnecessary Roughness. Had a fast and furious show, a lot of fantastic guests. Sometimes we have some really good guests and sometimes we hit it out the park. Every single person we've talked to today has hit it out the park. Josh Klingler, Sports Radio 610, sidelines for the Chiefs Radio Network, joined the show at 2.30. Matt Lombardo dropped some really good nuggets on us from the Matt Lombardo show at 3. You just heard from Lincoln Kennedy right there, fantastic stuff. Love the passion in, in what he had to say about hating the Chiefs. I thought that was some really good stuff. And then, of course, Vinny Bonsignor. No pressure, Vinny, but he's coming up at 4.30, so he's got to keep the party rolling. Of course, we've had a lot of good calls and texts as well, 702-365-9200. And I definitely appreciate everyone who texted in. At 69187, keyword r and I know everyone can't always call in. I get that. Sometimes the text is even better. It's really good stuff. Got a text from the 816. Green Bay breeds leaders. When Seawood came back from Green Bay, he was a leader. That's facts. That's big facts right there. Thank you for that text. You're right about that. He, and Charles will be the first one to tell you, when he returned to the silver and black from Green Bay, man, he was a different dude. He, he learned how to be a winner and how to be a leader in Green Bay. And I thought that what he did in his second time as a Raider, I thought that that really helped the, the young Raider team that needed, they were in desperate need of a leader. And Charles Woodson was definitely a leader when he came back. I remember when he was uh, a young dude with the Raiders, you know, when, when they had drafted him and he was running around Oakland and uh, he was doing all the little different uh, endorsements and everything. And uh, Charles Woodson wasn't a big practicer, right? He didn't really practice that hard. He was that guy who, you know, like Alan Iverson kind of, we're talking about practice? We're talking about practice? Not a game. We're talking about practice? Like he was he a was guy who would just – he would put it on during the game time. He was one of those guys that was so gifted he didn't really have to practice hard and he still played really damn good. But when he went to Green Bay and kind of learned and, – and he was to, – to his credit, he admitted and said, hey, I thought my career was over. You know, I remember when he was a, a free agent. You know, it wasn't a lot of teams that were out there, you know, knocking down his door saying, hey, we want you to come play for us. Uh, You know, which was a surprise to me. I remember when he was a free agent and I was like, man, I know the guy is coming off a, you know, a a surgery that he had. He had just had that, what was it, a a rod put in his leg or he had had some kind of like a broken leg or broken femur or something like that. He had just had some kind of big injury. But I was so surprised that no team had picked him up. And then he went to Green Bay and I was kind of disappointed. I thought maybe the Raiders were going to have a chance to, you know, re-sign him just at a later time. But he went to Green Bay, man, he learned really well. And took that next step, and so uh, that's that's a really good text, man. You bring up a really good point. Thanks for it. I appreciate you. Uh, Vegas Pete countered that: if Green Bay breeds leaders, how do you explain Reggie uh, and Walker, or Reggie Walker? Um, I mean, everybody's not going to be a leader. Um, I'm trying to think. You talking about Reggie McKenzie? Is that? I guess that's who he's talking about. I mean, Reggie, Reggie, uh, Reggie White was a leader. Walker, you talking about Javon Walker? Must be Javon Walker. Javon Walker was a guy that Al Davis gave a lot of money to, and Javon Walker didn't even want to play football. He was, uh, what, he came over from Denver, right? I'm getting confused on that one, Vegas Pete, but I, I got you. I got you. I Point is, Charles Woodson came back a big-time leader, and Devontae Adams comes from Green Bay. He's a big-time leader too. Uh, I guess there's always somebody that you could throw out there that will dispel the subject, but it's cool. Uh, mailman Raiders said, Q, I'm not going to be able to listen tomorrow, so I want to throw in one key to victory. Tyron Johnson needs to use that 4-3 speed on play action to take the top off and catch Kansas City off guard. I haven't seen it yet, but I think that could be huge. And to your point, and we will get the keys to the game, but to your point, the last time the Raiders beat the Chiefs in Kansas City, what happened? They were able to run the ball really well, and then they were able to stretch the field. So to your point, Mailman Raider, if Tyron Johnson could be that guy, and he hasn't been that guy all year long, I don't know what the issue is if it's a disconnect between him and Derek Carr. That's kind of my my gut feeling. If that's what it is, then, yeah, this would be a really good week for them to get on the same page because he does have the speed to make a difference and really uh, allow uh, or force the defense to to play them straight up and be honest, right, instead of being able to crowd the line of scrimmage and being able to even double-team Devontae Adams. That speed that Henry Ruggs had – in 2020, really helped the Raiders win that game against Kansas City. Without the run game and that, and that uh, stretch in the field ability, they don't win that game. But that's what they did. Um, a text from the 408 Storyline as fans uh, were right. Give JJ the rock. There you go. Appreciate that. Uh, let's see. Got another text. Got a bunch of different texts here. I'm trying to get to them all. Uh, let's see. Hold on. That's what happens when I start scatter shooting. Uh, here we go, from the 916, Raider Chavez in Sacramento, California. My storyline is the production of Chandler Jones. I have high hopes for him and Crosby. So far, only Crosby is producing. As far as the friend zone, that happened to me too many times back in the days. I'm still kicking myself on some of them. That's Raider Chavez in the 916. Oh, man, I love it. I don't even know how he started the show like that, but it was great. We sure did start the show like that. That is funny. Oh, man, I love it. Demond is, uh, he, he's he's comfortable being in the friend zone apparently with Kayla. But, no, getting back to the, the point of what you're saying with Chandler Jones and Max Crosby, Max has definitely stepped up to the party. And that's, that's another question, too. You know, it, it, what's going to happen with Max? Max is expecting, you know, a baby on the way any day now. You know, is, is the baby going to arrive before before Monday night? What's going to happen in that scenario? I mean, that's something that even though we, we joked about it and laughed at it at, a, at the Intermountain Healthcare Performance Center, that's something that the coaches and the players, obviously, are really paying attention to. Uh, <laughs> They need, uh, they need Max out there, so uh, that's, that's going to be something very interesting to continue to monitor. Right now, join us on the phone lines. As promised is our guy Vinny Bonsignor from the morning tailgate, 7 a.m. to 10 a.m. right here on Raider Nation Radio 920, of course, from the RJ as well. And Vinny, we'll start with Max Crosby, man. Um, baby watch is going on, and I never thought that I'd start an interview talking about baby watch, but here we are because Max Crosby is such an important player for this Raiders team. Um, any update on the plan? What's going on with, uh, with, with baby Max?
3: Uh, no update. We, uh, we just uh, left Max uh, in the locker room, so uh, he was here and accounted for. So uh, so obviously, um, nothing, unless things have changed in the last half hour or so, uh, nothing going on there. I know all of Raider Nation, uh, along with Max Crosby and his teammates and everybody else, coaches included, uh, are kind of waiting on pins and needles uh, right now, and obviously, first and foremost, um, you know, just the well-being of his uh, significant other uh, and his new baby daughter, which will be here any minute, any day now. Um, that's first and foremost. But yeah, I mean, there's this is this life sometimes, and we all have to go through this, um, and all have to deal with it. But the life and work and profession and all those things uh, intersect uh, at times, and we're wondering. I think everybody is. Is this going to um, intersect on, on Monday night and potentially, um, you know, mean that he, he's not going to be able to be out there and play against the Chiefs?
1: Right. No. No doubt. It's it's so funny because I wasn't even really thinking about it, and uh, you know, Cassie Soto, our good friend and your colleague as well, uh, she brought it up in the in the presser to Josh uh, McDaniels earlier this week, and I thought, oh yeah, that's right. Forgot about, you know, mm-hmm. I forgot about that. There's something that we talked to Max in the locker room on Sunday following the Broncos game, and I remember him saying, well, the due date's tomorrow, so that was Monday. So by Wednesday, it already crossed my – you know, I I'd already kind of forgot about, you know, the baby on the way and everything, but that could end up being like a big deal for the Raiders and this team depending on what, what happens one way or the other.
3: Yeah, uh, so we're on Thursday. Uh, the game is on, on Monday, so uh, I think everybody – is uh, playfully, uh, you know, because we all know what what um, you know what the priorities uh, should be and will be. Uh, but I think everyone's kind of playfully trying to figure out ways to uh, make this thing or induce the labor, uh, expedite the process. And uh, anyone that uh, has been down this road before, uh, as a husband, uh, you know, with a uh, with a pregnant wife, when it gets to this stage, everybody is in your ear about different ways. Uh, to get because you know by this time you know uh, our our great significant others wives um, they just they want the baby to be here you know because they've been dealing with this for ten months or so um, and, and we all understand that so uh, everyone's trying to give I know for my wife it was Chili's at, at uh, or Chili this famous Chili in Los Angeles that was supposed to you know uh, make it happen so we went and got a bowl of chili and the next morning next day uh, Noah my son uh, was born so. Uh, I don't know man we'll, we'll, maybe there's a, maybe there's a restaurant that serves something uh, that's going to expedite this process that we got to tell uh, Max about
1: See that's that's where I had my advantage as a baby daddy and not a significant other as a baby daddy I was like look we got one car all right I'm about to go to work I got to be on the air for the next 4 hours oh. Is this happening right now or not? <laughs> so, <laughs> <laughs> but that's the difference when. It's a little, re- yeah,
3: <laughs> it's a little bit different when uh, you got to march down uh, the rest of the future. You know what I'm saying? Yes. Uh, you know, <laughs> handled much differently.
1: Yes, <laughs> so no think, doubt, no that, doubt. Yeah, <laughs> I don't. I don't I think, suggest I that.
3: If, I, think if, <laughs> I think if Max said that, uh, he he'd be the one that was getting sacked. <laughs> you know, so. Uh, You've got to be really careful, as as uh, we all know.
1: No doubt, no doubt. And again, we're just kind of playing a lo- a- around with the of you know, the situation. We what we wish nothing but the best for Max and his uh, fiance yep. and baby girl on the way. We're talking right now with Vinny Bonsignor from the Morning Tailgate here on Radio Nation Radio nine twenty. So as far as the locker room goes, I mean, we listened to what you had to say with Darren Waller. That was some good stuff. What was the mood like? What was the you know kind of the vibe in the locker room today?
3: They're feeling really good about this opportunity to go play uh, on Monday night, the big stage of Monday Night Football against a, uh, a division rival, coming off a win, so they feel pretty good uh, about themselves right now and uh, know you know what they did right on Sunday and things that they still need to clean up a little bit. And there's always things uh, that you can and you know uh, there's also the carrot at the end of that stick a little bit um, in terms of the bye week is coming too, so you want to end. Uh, this phase of your season off on the, the highest of notes to be able to go enjoy uh, this, you know, the bye week and, you know, all the self reflecting that's going to happen. Because when you think about it, and we were out here every day, Q, uh, during training camp, it was a hot, brutally hot training camp. Um, and they were practicing not always in the morning. They've been going out of heart, is what I've been saying, is yeah. what I'm trying to say. You know, this break could be a really good break for them, especially if they're able to go uh, into it with the right frame of mind coming off a win.
0: Vinny, we've been talking to all of our guests this week about it being a rivalry for the Chiefs and the Raiders. When you were in the locker room today, did did you get a sense that the players are a little bit more amped up for this game against the Chiefs on Monday night?
3: Yeah, um, and you know, even Devonte Adams said, "Hey, you know, whenever it's a division rival uh, in, a, in, a, in a stage like this, you know, it's 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 going to jump out at you a little bit more. They'd be less than uh, honest if they if they didn't, you know, look at that and say." A, it's a division rival. B, uh, kind of a statement night, you know, playing in front of everybody. That's going to get you uh, amped up. But I got to ask you something, Devon, real quick. Uh-huh. Were you a Pokemon guy? Were you a Pokemon guy?
0: Yes, when I was a child. Yes. Okay, I wasn't. But Blake Martinez, the new linebacker,
3: is, and this dude just got his hands on a Pokemon card that was just valued at a million dollars. What was? What were we thinking? Did you hold on to your stuff, hopefully?
0: No, I was terrible with my cards. Like, if I if I had any le- that were left, by the time I became a teenager, they were all ratty, and I didn't have any good cards. I wasn't a super collector person like that. But a million dollars, wow. did he buy it for a million dollars, yeah. or just something that he had is already a million dollars?
3: No, uh, as he told me, his mom threw all his cards out when he was six years old, or, or soon after, you know, like when he was a teenager. because he had been collecting things when he was six years old so he's you know since the, like a couple of more a couple of years ago he got back into it and uh, that led him uh, just about a month ago or so uh to a meeting with a, a, a collectibles seller and he immediately saw this card and he knew uh-oh okay that's one of those cards he didn't tell me how much he bought it for uh, but it was a lot <laughs> but he is very happy so obviously whatever he bought it for um isn't the million dollars that he's potentially going to get for it, uh, if it if he puts it up for auction. And that's the big question now. He's wondering should I hold on to this and see if it appreciates even more, or do I flip it now and just walk away happy with uh, a nice little return on my investment?
0: Just to be able to say, I'll pass on the million dollars for right now is something I'll never be able to do, and I'm jealous of Blake <laughs> Martinez. <laughs>
3: I know. Well, I think, you know, because his eyes were getting, he didn't, really, he didn't realize. How much this card really, was really worth until he took it in and, and got it appraised. He was basically like, "I, I just really wanted one because he, he knew the significance of it." But then when 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 they told him, "Dude, you're sitting on a million dollar card," he was like, "I was pretty psyched up about that."
1: Yeah, you think I would be? Uh, I'd be a little psyched up about that as well. Let me ask you this: total side note, and uh, you know, this is what we do sometimes. If you caught that Aaron Judge sixty-two home run ball, would you sell it or hold on to it?
3: I'm gonna sell it. Yeah. Bit, and and mostly because I don't like the Yankees, I'm a Met fan. So, um, <laughs> uh, but you know what, I I, I I could go either way, and I understand everybody looks at it a little bit differently. Uh, but for anyone that looks down on somebody for for selling that ball, if that's what uh, um, you know this guy ends up doing, you can't. I mean, you right. know what, you bought your ticket, you're there. Um, there's a chance that that's going to happen, and I think even every player out there would understand if somebody decided to flip it uh, and go pay for somebody's college or their kid's college or have a nice little retirement fund.
1: Or just go buy a brand-new Escalade. The hell with school and all that other stuff, man. <laughs> <laughs> Kid, you're on your own. I need a Cadillac. Exactly. <laughs> there goes your inheritance.
3: Right. You know what? We're driving We're driving in your inheritance right now.
1: Exactly right. Vinny Bonsignor is <laughs> our guest right now on Unnecessary Roughness, Red Nation Radio 920. You mentioned Blake Martinez. Let's be serious. If, if Denzel Perriman cannot go, and I know he was in a red non-contact jersey, which I think is a good sign. If he can't go, how confident do you think Blake Martinez is and being able to step into that spot, we heard your conversation with him yesterday.
3: Yeah, when I was talking to him uh, on subjects outside of Pokemon, who thought we would ever be talking to a football player about Pokemon? Right. But anyway, um, yeah, he's he's confident. He feels like he knows this defense. Um, you know, having played for Patrick Graham not only uh, with the Giants but also back in their days in Green Bay, he fought, remember he followed Patrick Graham from Green Bay to New York. Um, you know, with the New York Giants, so he knows this defense. Uh, he, he knows how to get ready. He's a veteran. Uh, he called his uh, four weeks, his little four week vacation, but he's ready to go and feels like, if need be, he could step in there um, and provide a, a high level play. And that's, that's, this isn't just somebody that they picked up off the street. This is like Martinez. He's got four years of 144 or more tackles. One year with 155, another year with 154. This dude knows how to play football. So. Uh, I think at this stage of his career, uh, his understanding of Patrick Graham and the defense, uh, he'd be able to to step on the field and equip himself pretty well.
1: Yeah, and let's make no mistake about it. For anyone who's not clear, Blake Martinez is a guy that that if he plays a role, it's going to be similar to Denzel Perryman. He's not going to be some fantastic guy in coverage, but what Denzel Perryman does is what Blake Martinez can do.
3: Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, he could rush the passer a little bit if you want to, Mm -hmm. you know, unleash him on, on the pass rush, but he's a thumper and a guy that, um, you know, uh, knows how to get. To the, but he knows how to find the football, and when he's there, he knows how to take care of business. After there, there's few guys that are tackling machines in this league. He's one of them.
1: Yeah, no doubt. Vinny Bonson yours is our guest here on Radio Nation Radio 920 on the Say Roughness. Go ahead, Demon.
0: When a player gets on the injury report, it's always, "Hey, why didn't we know about this sooner?" From the fan perspective, with Darren Waller, is there any concern that he may miss Monday's game?
3: I don't think so. Um, you know, I, I talked to him briefly in the locker room today. Um, he, he seems okay. Uh, you know, it's just something came up, obviously, uh, and they're and they're dealing with it. Uh, I think what, I want to say he was in the red jersey yesterday, so um, as well. So you know, you just got to uh, you got to the extra day helps a, a little bit as well. <clears throat> but you know, if you can't go, you can't go, um, and it would be your next man up. But they would be in really bad shape at tight end because Foster Moreau's not out there uh, either. He's still dealing with the knee injury. So, uh, but I get the sense that Darren's going to be out there.
1: What about Hunter? I know he shed that red non-contact uh, jersey today.
3: Great, great, fine. Uh, full participant in practice, which means, obviously, uh, that he passed all protocols. You're not allowed to get to that level uh, without doing that. So it, it appears he's on his way uh, to play on Monday night. I know it's been killing him uh, to have to watch these last couple of weeks. You know that 13 wants to be out there. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, and it looks like he's definitely in line to, to do exactly that.
1: Yeah, no, they're going to need a healthy dose of Darren Waller. Of course, Devontae Adams, the stars, uh, are supposed to shine on the big stage, and Monday Night Football is definitely the big stage. Again, Vinny Bonsignor is our guest here on Radio Nation Radio 920. You can find Vinny on the morning tailgate with Clay Baker, 7 a.m. to 10 a.m. Also, the RJ puts all his work out on the Las Vegas Review-Journal, does a fantastic job at that. Just got a couple more questions for you real quick, Vinny. And uh, one was about Travis Kelsey. Uh, Obviously, he's a killer. You know, he's a fantastic tight end in the league, one of the top three, along with Darren Waller and George Kittle. Put him in whatever order you want. I don't care. But how do you think Patrick Graham goes about trying to defend Travis Kelsey?
3: Well, I'm of the belief that uh, you got to double-team this dude and, and tell the Kansas City Chiefs and Patrick Mahomes, look, find somebody else to beat us, mm-hmm. because that's not going to be the guy that does. And without, it's an easier decision to make because there's no Tyreek out there when in the past, if you did that, well, Tyreek's like, thank you. Uh, And then if you double team Tyreek, Travis was like, thank you. Um, And that's how that all went. Well, that's not the case anymore. And I'm not taking anything away from anybody else that the uh, Kansas City Chiefs have. But until those guys can show you that they're going to make you pay for the decision that you make uh, to take Travis Kelsey out of the game, I think you have to do that. And then if they adjust and show, yeah, um, we're going to have a day as well, uh, then you have to make an adjustment. But right off the bat, I'm going to be double-teaming him as much as possible and see and, and, and make the ball go someplace else.
1: Yeah, I mean, that's, that's one of those things. And I, I mentioned a guy like Trayvon Merrick. Maybe Patrick Graham kind of uh, makes him come yep. down and, and look at him. Uh, I mentioned Jayon Brown as a possibility. I know he's not been the greatest player so far this year, but I think those two dudes have an opportunity where they may be able to, you know, kind of shadow Travis Kelsey a little bit.
3: Yeah, and maybe this is a game where I, I felt like Devon Diablo uh, took a step in the right direction on, in all phases, uh, you know, against the Denver Broncos. So maybe they can build off of that a little bit. And, and because you know he's a big physical guy, um, I know he's just still learning his way moving from safety to linebacker. It's coming, and I like that he got better uh, from the Tennessee games to the Denver game. So you always want to see that in a young player. I'm wondering, <clears throat> excuse me, if he's somebody that plays in that role as well.
1: Yeah, he, he very well could. And, uh, Vinny, as we close things out, I know I'm going to ask you where you're, you're at tonight for uh, in a minute. Uh, we, we were talking about captains earlier, and uh, we got a text from Zeke in Bakersfield. And he asked, is it just me or are the captains not wearing a C on their chest? Which I've noticed that as well. They're not wearing a C on their chest. Do you have any idea why?
3: No, and I keep kicking myself every time I get this question, whether it's on Twitter or anywhere else. Because I keep telling myself, i got to ask that question. And then I keep forgetting to ask that question. So I promise, and Q uh, is going to help me out on this, <laughs> at some point, <laughs> very soon, we're going to ask, why aren't guys wearing the seat? Because I'm curious as well.
1: Yeah, that was something that I-, I was wondering. People keep hitting me up, and they're like, hey, are you noticing that? I'm like, yeah, I notice it. And I, I forget, to to ask until someone brings it up. So uh, there's that. All right, Vinny, uh, as we close things out, where are you at tonight? What you got going on is week five of the NFL season gets started?
3: We're going to be over at the Rockstar Bar and Grill, uh, getting down with some, uh, good football tonight and some good, uh, food, some good drinks, all courtesy, uh, of Embajador Tequila. Uh, they keep the party rolling, as you guys know. Um, so we're, we're there tonight. By the way, over at, uh, uh Embajador's throwing parties too on, on Saturday and Sunday. Uh, this weekend, Monday, if people want to go uh, check it out. But I know that Q's got his thing as well um, mm. on Mondays. So, um, look, that's a place to be tonight um, and certainly Sunday to watch some good college football.
1: There you go. Sounds good. Well, have a good time this evening, my man. It's always great to catch up with you. We appreciate the insight from the locker room and all the work that you sent over, man. All the stuff you sent over yesterday and today, very much appreciated. Of course, we got all of it on the radio. So, thank you so much.
3: Absolutely. No problem.
1: There he goes. Vinny Bonsignor, fantastic job he does each and every morning on the morning tailgate, 7 a.m. to 10 a.m. with Clay Baker and, of course, on the RJ. A lot of great locker room action as well, as he sent over plenty of stuff yesterday, including Max Crosby, including Josh Jacobs, uh, sent over uh, Blake Martinez yesterday, sent over Darren Waller today, Uh, just a a dude that's out there hustling. So we definitely appreciate that. We love hustlers around here. That's what we do. Speaking of Clay Baker, he's going to be inside Chickies and Pete tonight at the Sahara Las Vegas. Thursday night football is getting under way you can go check him out as well he's got a ton of prizes that he'll be giving out and he'll be checking in with us in just a little bit Four forty-seven is the time we'll take a quick break come back we'll close out the show just like that when the doc says it's a wrap it's a wrap straighter nation radio 920
0: you're listening to unnecessary roughness with your boy q on raider nation radio 702-365-9200.
1: 702-365-9200. That's the Raider Nation listener line. Of course, we've got the text line as well, wide open, like some old-school TV antennas. Got a bunch of texts to get to, 69187, keyword r As we close out the show today, let's talk to our good friend Raider Dave in Denver. Welcome back to the show. What's on your mind, brother? Hey, Q and DC. Uh,
3: you know, are you as surprised as I am that we have just not seen much movement-type creativity with the offense? Do you think Daniels has been kind of keeping things off film because he wants this game so bad. I mean, I'm hopeful for that. But what sort of things do you think that they have refrained from doing that you might be able to think, or maybe you can't say, but maybe you might be able to think that they could move to, whether it's more of the sweeps, more of the toss sweeps, more of the four wide and throwing somebody out of the backfield, whether it's stacking guys one behind each other, which was my suggestion earlier on JT, that they need to stack Samir White right behind a Waller, and that would force some one-on-one uh of fusion, possibly, in the defense.
1: Yeah, thank you for the call, my man. What, one thing that stood out to me uh, from last game is the fact that they were able to run tempo a little bit. That's why I asked Josh McDaniels about that uh, yesterday. I think that tempo is something... That we need to see. We've talked about it on the show quite a bit. Uh, And I know he didn't do it all game long, which is fine. He did about 18 and 19 snaps where it was like, okay, let's go. Let's hustle up a little bit. Let's hustle up. Just make the sense of urgency a little bit quicker. Uh, He said that he felt like that they were conditioned well enough after four weeks to be able to do that. I think you see a little bit more of that moving forward. That does multiple things, including keeping the same personnel for the most part on the field defensively. And I think that's a big deal, especially when the Raiders hit. You know, they do like boom, boom, boom. They'll hit on about three plays in a row instead of just you know, sitting there and chilling just and, and taking their time and going and huddling up and all that, get to the line of scrimmage, make the defense panic a little bit. Then, I mean, you don't even have to snap the ball. You can just get to the line of scrimmage, but it forces the defense to make sure that they, uh, you know, they're, they're ready uh, just in case you do snap the ball quick, fast, in a hurry. The other thing is I think that as the season goes along, and I don't know if that starts on Monday or not, but I think that you start to see Josh McDaniels open up the playbook more. I'm just not sure if the team is ready to expand the playbook right i mean you have to know how to do the basics before you can try to do something else so it's it's kind of like you have to be able to hit the ball before you can hit a home run if that makes sense you know it's like they say you got to walk before you run i think that they're i think that's probably a better analogy it makes more sense right they got to learn how to walk before they're able to run and so i think that they're still learning how to walk and that's why you've seen the offense not really be as creative now Raider Dave, I could be absolutely 100% wrong, but that's just my gut feeling. I think that as this season goes along, you're going to see things opened up and opened up. The one thing I took away from what Brandon Bolden said to us, and he talked to us many times so far since he's been a Raider, is that the offense is very difficult to pick up. But once you get it, then you understand how how good you really can be. So that's one of those things that kind of resonated with me uh, as well. Uh, Real quick, got a couple texts. Mailman Raider says, Blake sells Pokemon on on whatnot. I've bought from him before. Uh, Got at T said, I bought a car with my collection. Uh, Got a text from Zeke in Bakersfield. Q, Raiders captains. Carr, Adams, Cole, Crosby, Hollins, Harmon, Hollins, Perryman, and Colton Miller. Also, is it just me or did they not wear the C on their jerseys? Uh, Yeah, that was something that we talked about with Vinny. Uh, Thank you for that. Uh, The A16 text, the Chiefs have Buffalo after the Raiders. Maybe it's a trap game for them. I would say that too. But with the Raiders, I don't think it'll ever be a trap game when the Raiders are coming to town. I know that they're not going to, you know, be pressing and like, oh, my gosh, it's the Raiders, it's the Raiders. But just because the fan base gets pretty fired up, and like DeMond said earlier, Patrick Mahomes broke down the, the game last week after Tampa Bay, like, okay, you know who's coming to town next. So I don't think it's a trap game. I think they're paying attention to who's coming up next. So. Uh, thank you so much for all the feedback on the show. Great show, Demond. Great job in the Family Cadillac Performance Studio. Uh, Clay Baker is at the Sahara Las Vegas. Go check him out with Red Nation Radio 920. Yeah!